0: Welcome to the weekly podcast from Faith Community Church in Janesville, Wisconsin. For more information about Faith Community, please visit our website at www.faithcommunitychurch.net or check us out on Facebook by searching Faith Community Church Janesville. You can also reach us by email at podcast at faithjanesville.org. You can be a part of this ministry and help advance the kingdom by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a five-star review. This helps us spread the Word of God in the podcast world, allowing us to better reach more people in the name of Christ.
1: And we welcome those of you online as well, uh, from wherever you're watching from. We're going to talk to you specifically at the end of the service today, so don't Go away. So I grew up in Illinois. It's not my fault. That's where I was born. I had nothing to do with it. And I grew up being a Cubs fan from like 1968. And I suffered through decades of losses. And finally, we got good in 2015. And we made it to the National League Championship Series three years in a row. And eventually, we won it all in 2016. And I noticed, all of a sudden, everybody had on cub gear and hats and banners and flags. And I thought to myself, where have you been? Where have you been for the last hundred years, right? We have been just slugging away in in mediocrity and misery. And then all of a sudden, here you are. You're everywhere, right? And so that's called a fair weather fan. When things are going bad, and they went bad for over a hundred years, you know, You don't see them as much. But as soon as you start winning, all of a sudden, out comes all the gear in the merch, right? The fair weather fan. Is there such a thing as a fair weather fan in regards to the church? We talked about fan or follower years ago, right? The fan of the follower. And When things are going great, I got my Jesus cap on. I got my kingdom gear. I'm waving the banner. Everything's wonderful. But when life is hard... Sometimes those folks are absent without leave. And it's always been that way. And we want to talk about what Jesus says is the reason for it. It has to do with the condition of our heart. So let's read the story of the triumphal entry as we talk about fickle faith. All right? So we're leaving the gospel project this week and next week, and then we'll be back. John chapter 12. The next day. The great crowd that had come for the festival heard Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out meeting him, shouting, Hosanna, which means save us now. So it is a cry for help. It is a prayer. There is an urgency. They want Jesus to deliver them from the hand of Rome. When they see him on a donkey, it's the fulfillment of prophecy. And so they say, this is it. We're living out the days when Messiah is going to come and a reign and establish peace. And so they're excited, they're anticipating this great change that Jesus is going to bring. And they are shouting out this prayer of urgency, save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion, See, your king is coming on a donkey's colt. at first his disciples did not understand this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. And many people, because they had heard that he performed this sign, went out to meet him. So Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world has gone after him. In other words, our policy of nonviolence has to end. If we're going to end his threat, we must end him. This is not working. It's time to take things to the next level and seek to find and to kill Jesus. Now, Jesus fulfills a prophecy written hundreds of years before he is born about the Messiah. From the book of Zechariah, where it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Notice the word victorious. When Jesus comes into the city, they're saying, this is our moment. Five days later, many of those same people are cursing and jeering him and mocking him. Because on the cross, he doesn't look too victorious. He thought, we thought he was going to be the one, but he's let us down. He's not a, a conquering king. He's a defeated person. He's, he's, so, he's not even powerful enough to defeat. You know, anybody, how did we think he was going to bring in the age of peace and prosperity? But the thing is, God was giving them not what they wanted. He was giving them what they needed. To put up a a kingdom would have been great. But to save souls, to conquer sin and death, that's even better. And so they sought through disillusion. Have you ever been disillusioned with God before? Anybody here? that you think God should do one thing and then another thing ends up happening and you think, God, you're wrong. You might even get into a little bit of an argument or discussion with God about why he is wrong. And so that's what they do. They get angry with Jesus. They get angry at their disappointment. And they, the same crowd that cheered him, the fickle crowd, now turn on him and curse him. Jesus talked about why this is. He says it has to do with their condition of our hearts. And he told a parable in all the Gospels about the parable of the sower that we want to look at today. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And he scattered the seed, and some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell along rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly. But because the soil was shallow and the sun came up, the plants were scorched because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And still others fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he explains to his disciples what it means. He said, listen to what the parable of the sower means when anyone hears the message of the kingdom and does not understand it. Does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in their heart. That's the seed sown along the path. You cannot receive what you do not understand. I'm preaching again at the 1230 service, our service that's in Spanish. And I'm going to be preaching the gospel. I'm going to be saying truth. But if they don't understand English, they can't receive it. So I have Pastor Osvaldo. You're you're translating, right, Pastor? Pastor Osvaldo, one of our associate pastors, is going to be translating for me. And he's going to be telling them what I said so they can understand it and receive it. Sometimes the reason, well, we'll we'll talk about this in a moment, but let's let's keep going. Secondly, the, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word, receives it with joy, but since they have no root, it lasts only for a short time. And when trouble and persecution comes because of the word, notice he says when, doesn't say if. When trouble and persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling on the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. The one who produces a good crop, produces a crop yielding 160 and 30 times what was sown. So we're going to look at these four soils, and we're going to talk about each one. And for three of them, we're going to use Peter. For three examples of the bad soil, we're going to use Peter because, let's face it, he's an easy target. He's given us a lot of material, right? And for the good soil, we've got a surprise guest we're going to talk about. So soil by the road. Let's look at Matthew 16, this defining moment. In the life and ministry of Jesus, where he begins to confess, they confess him as the Christ, the Son of the living God. And after that important confession by Peter, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Well, this does not sit well with the disciples. They have just found out that he's the Messiah, confirmed. They're going to be famous. They're going to have authority, right? They're going to rule and reign with the Messiah, and all of a sudden, he tells them he's going to be killed. And Peter speaks, and he's like, that's not not what the Bible says. That's not how it should be. Peter knows better than God. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. And we've already said that some of you have done the same thing. You've corrected God. You say, this is not right. This shouldn't be. Here's the way it should be. Right? And you do your best to correct God. If if there's a problem with how things are turning out, and you think it should be one way, but it turns out another way, and you think you understand better than God, who's probably wrong? Yeah, exactly. This should never be. Jesus turned to him and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter is like the seed by the side of the road because he doesn't understand the plan. He doesn't understand. And the plan's in here, by the way. Isaiah 53, it tells us that the Messiah will die for the sins of people. Daniel chapter 9 It tells us that the Messiah will come and he will be cut off, have nothing. So the plan is here. But Peter couldn't understand it. He couldn't receive, rather, the truth that Jesus was communicating because he didn't understand it. That's why understanding the word is so important. Because the more we can understand, the more we receive. And the more we receive, the more seed is planted that can bear fruit in our lives. Secondly, there was the rocky soil. Persecutions, trials, struggles. Peter again. Jesus has had the Last Supper, and they are coming to arrest him. Peter and the disciples are there. Judas is gone, of course. And Jesus is telling them what's about to happen. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd... And the sheep of the flock will be scattered. In other words, this is prophetic. What's going to happen to me is prophetic. And what's going to happen to you is prophetic. You are going to scatter. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter replied, he was always right. Time out. Nuts. Hold on. Don't go anywhere. I do not want to stop coughing. That's not good. All right. <clears throat> so he says, even if I, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I'm more holy than the rest of these guys. And so if they fall away, rest assured, I won't. I'm here to stay. Jesus says, truly, I tell you. This very night before the rooster crows you will disown me 3 times. I mean that's as specific as it can get, right? He tells him when it's tonight, it's before you hear the rooster, when you hear the rooster in the morning say his cockadoodle do, you'll deny me not once, not twice, but exactly 3 times. It's almost as if Jesus has information that Peter doesn't have. But Peter being Peter, isn't going to receive it. Peter again corrects Jesus. And Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same thing. Me too, us too, we will never disown you, Jesus. We are with you to the end, even if we have to die. So later that evening, They come to arrest Jesus. It says, in that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, you know, well, the crowd, where is he? He's in the garden. I thought it was just a few men who came to take him away. Not a crowd. No, it was not. It was a crowd. The Bible says it was a cohort of Roman soldiers. That's at least 600 men. And the chief priests and the Pharisees, there's over 200. And the scribes and the teachers of the law, there could be almost 1,000 people coming in the dead of night into the garden to arrest Jesus. So that's why it says, rightly, he said to the crowd, Am I leading in rebellion that you come at me with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has taken place. The writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples did what? Deserted him and fled. His loyal followers, the ones who just said they would die for him, left and deserted him. Only John would return. There have been times in your life and in my life when persecution and trials have come, and instead then of putting God and his, for, and his kingdom in the forefront, we put it in the rearview mirror. We've been in survival mode. We've been more concerned about our survival We've been more concerned about what's going on in our lives than we are in the kingdom, and we scatter. We're an no old place to be found. That's what Scripture says is the rocky soil. And then there's the soil, and you've been there too. And again, it's our friend Peter. Just time Jesus has been resurrected, and he is recreating a scene when he called them to be disciples. Remember what he did. They were fishing. They caught nothing. They don't really know Jesus And he says, let your nets on the other side of the boat for a catch. And Peter says, we've labored all night and caught nothing, but nevertheless, at your bidding, we'll do what you say. And so he took the net, put it on the other side, and they brought in so much fish, he couldn't contain it. Right? So Jesus, they're out fishing, and it's commercial fishing they're doing. It's not recreational fishing. Peter doesn't have a can of worms sitting on a pier, right, with a lemonade with an umbrella in it. He is trying to make a living. They're not having any luck. Jesus appears on the shore and tells them where to cast their nets and again a great haul of fish. Jesus is going to remind them that his call for them to be fishers of men is still ongoing. It's not a thing of the past. This is not the end. This is the beginning. And so after they'd finished eating the fish, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And so the question we have to ask is, what are the these? What does that mean? Is he talking about the other disciples? He's saying, do you love me more, Peter, than John or Andrew or Philip or Bartholomew does? That would be an awkward thing, wouldn't it? Would it be awkward if your boss came into the workspace and went to your colleagues and said, hey, you, you love me more than Bill does, right? Right? Sue, Sue, you love me more than, than Mary over here, right? You know, kind of pitting one against another. Sonny, I don't say Pastor Jesse the Younger. You, you love me more than Pastor Jesse, Jesse the Older, right? That would be an awkward thing to do, bad thing to do, Alright, So here's the thing. Jesus isn't talking about the disciples. He's not pitting them against one another. He's saying to Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the nets? Do you love me more than the boats? Do you love me more than your old way of life? Do you love me more than the money these fish will bring in the marketplace on Monday? Do you love me more than these? And Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lamb. So three times he denied him. Three times he was able to profess him. Do you love me more than these? Sometimes you and I, in the thorny soil periods of our life, we become so consumed with the workplace that the things of the kingdom take the back seat. So consumed with our families, our children, their sports programs, right? Life is busy. Work is hectic. School is demanding. My club or my hobby is demanding my time. And so, the stuff about the gospel, that's important, but not right now. And it renders us unproductive and unfruitful. That is the thorny soil, and you and I have all been there. And there's some people who used to be sitting here that aren't right now. They're not here because right now their garden is full of thorny soil. There's other distractions and demands. It's time to make money, it's time to make hay. Retirements around the corner or whatever it might be. And that washes out the importance of the kingdom. But Then there's a fourth soil Jesus talked about. That's the good soil. That's where we want to be. The good soil. And I can't use Peter, unfortunately, because in the Gospels, he really doesn't have good soil. He's seed by the side of the road, Peter. He's thorny soil, Peter. He's rocky soil, Peter. In the book of Acts, after the Spirit comes at Pentecost, he becomes good soil, Peter. But I have to look someplace else in the Gospels, in the, in the story of Easter. I have to look someplace else for the good soil. You know where I'm going to look? I'm going to look at the woman we talked about last week. I'm going to look at Mary Magdalene. Remember we talked about her that says sometimes she gets confused with the prostitute in chapter 7 who wiped his feet with her hair. That's not Mary of Magdalene. She was possessed. But Scripture never says that she was a prostitute. So in Luke chapter 8, it says, After this, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, was there also. Notice there's other women in this passage. We don't even know their names. It just lists, It identifies her. She's the most well-known one. But there's other women who have been cured of evil spirits and diseases. And nowhere in the gospel can we read Mary's story. This is the first time we encounter her. And that backstory about the deliverance, we can't read about it. It's not there. It's simply understood. It's known by the church. The Bible says in the book of John, that should everything Jesus said and did be written down, the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. All we have is a sampling of what he said and did. That's what John says. He said, but these things are written that you might know, that you might have eternal life. But this is not all Jesus did and said. And so the story of Mary and what happened or how it happened, we don't necessarily know. But we do know this, that evil spirits... That life, her life was darkness. However that came to be, her life was darkness. She was tormented by hell. That she was vexed, that she was full of fear and anxiety, that she probably harmed herself, and she probably tried to harm others. We can guess that she lived ostracized from the community, that she was regarded as somebody weird, somebody crazy. Somebody that you did not want to be around. Someone you could not trust. And every day for Mary was darkness. And she could not escape that darkness because the darkness was inside of her. And then something happens. She meets Jesus somewhere in that first year of his ministry this took place because we're starting the second year so somewhere early in the ministry of Jesus this deliverance takes place and I was watching a show called the chosen I don't know if you've seen the chosen or not but it decided to take on the story of Mary and because we don't know the backstory and exactly how it happens they use a little bit of artistic license to talk about what might have happened and so they In this story on The Chosen, they show Mary as a little girl with her father. And those were the best years of her life. And the father was a godly man. And every night, he and Mary would read this passage from Isaiah 43. But now this is what the Lord says. He created you, O Jacob. He formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Those were her greatest memories, and she tried to hold on to them as she descended into darkness, but soon it became impossible. And she would read that scripture, and sometimes she would pull that piece of paper out where her father had written down the scripture, and she would read it, and it says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. But it wasn't working. She was still fearful. And she would read the part where it says, I've called you by name, you are mine. But it wasn't working. She didn't feel like God's. She felt like she belonged to darkness. And she lived in perpetual torment, in perpetual hell. And watching this first episode, I know it's about the life of Jesus. And I was excited to see how Jesus was going to be betrayed. What would he look like? How would he act? And we watched this whole episode, and it's good. It's about Mary and her backstory and this verse of Scripture, but we don't see Jesus. And finally, Mary is destitute, suicidal, and she goes up to a high cliff. And you think she's possibly going to jump off? You know the story. You know she's in Scripture, so she didn't. But she gets up there, and she takes this piece of paper out from her childhood. This story that nobody knows about but her and her father who has passed. And she rips up isaiah 43 do not fear i've redeemed you i know you by name you are mine she rips it up and she throws it into the air and she weeps and cries and goes back into the town to drink away her sorrows and her despair and while i'm watching this episode i keep thinking it's almost done where's jesus we've been watching this almost where's jesus when is he going to come and finally, at the end of the episode, he comes. And when he comes, man, let's watch it now.
0: I don't know what else I can do to help you. Give me that. Lots of it. That's not going to solve your problems. It's meant to distract from you. No
1: them. more preaching. Just give it to me.
0: Lilith, Please. Listen to what I said. I said leave.
1: It's not for you. Don't
0: touch me. Oh.
2: Lily. Lily. Lily, are you okay? I
0: I have to go. Leave me alone. I Says the Lord who created you and he who formed you. Fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name.
2: You.
1: gets me every time I see it every time every time it gets me right in the soul we've all felt that desperation and I hope that all of you have felt the Redeemer's touch or that you will someday that touch that says no matter what you've done no matter who you are no matter what you have said you're loved all the disciples scatter and they leave they made big promises, but they couldn't deliver. But Mary stays. John's Gospel says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his Mary, stood his mother Mary, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. She's there. She doesn't run. She doesn't leave. She is good soil. She's confused? Yeah. Is she afraid? Probably. She's hurt. It's dark. She doesn't understand why the man who healed her is on the cross and why he is dying. Why he doesn't take himself down, why angels don't come and rescue him. She doesn't understand what she's seeing. But one thing she knows, she was blind and now she sees. She was lost and now she's found. She lives a life of darkness and now she's been brought to the light. She's not going anywhere. Because Mary knows this one truth. She doesn't fully understand why Jesus is there, or what's taking place, but she knows this one thing. That there is nothing that can separate her from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. This one truth, that He causes all things to work together for good, to those who love Him or are called according to His purpose. And the good soil goes through the hardships and persecution, goes through the poles of this life, goes through periods where it doesn't understand, but the good soil says, I still believe. I still hold on. The good soil echoes what Peter says. Remember in John chapter 6, Jesus is talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and people by the thousands abandon him and say, who can listen to this? And he turns to his disciples and he says, are you going to leave me too? And this time Peter gets it right. In John chapter 6, he says, we've got nowhere else to go. You alone have the words of eternal life. And Mary stands at that cross and she's got no place else to go. I don't know what this all means, but I do know I was healed. I do know he loves me. And I do know that someday I'll be with him. That's my prayer for all of us today. Would you join us in prayer at home? Would you bow in prayer as well? Father, as we look at this story, there have been times we've been fickle. There are times we've been on fire like Peter and making big promises, sometimes feeling miserable at those promises. We've been... Soil by the side of the road that doesn't understand and so therefore cannot receive and grow. We've been rocky soil that is more concerned about self-preservation, and when persecution comes, falls away. We've been thorny soil. It's consumed by the things of this world, the worries and concerns about life, the acquisition of wealth. It's my prayer that we will be good soil a heart that submits, a heart that follows even when it doesn't understand. The heart that Mary had, the heart that Peter would one day have through the work of your Holy Spirit. Might that be our heart. Might that be the soil of our church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to show you just a couple quick things I think we'll do the the report first. And so I want to show you. um, This is last Sunday. So we all, you know, before the pandemic, we thought about the ministry and influence of our church as being the people who come to our four weekend services, now five. But this is what it looked like last Sunday. This is our stream. It's any given, so it's just an average Sunday. But you can see where people around the country were watching our stream and participating in our worship services all around the United States. Not just, we think in the Midwest, but look at Florida, right? Look at the West Coast, look at the East Coast, Guatemala, right? And so I put that up there to say to you online, to say to you in Guatemala, to say to you in Florida, California, we see you, all right? We see you, we acknowledge you as part of this congregation and we know that many of you have taken gps you're plugging into ministry here or you soon will you are a part of our congregation you are online congregation and we just want you to know we see you we're thankful for you we're thankful for all you brought into this congregation you give you attend virtually and you participate in ministry you come to classes and small groups and so we want you to know, we see you. We acknowledge you. And we're seeing, when we did this analytic the last time, there's a lot more red dots than there used to be. And so we see our influence is, is growing and expanding. And of course, the ministry in the Philippines and then the radio and all of that, God is using our church to reach thousands of people every week with the gospel. And we give thanks to God for that. I also wanted to just give you a quick report on our youth event, this is our this past Wednesday, Pastor Mike Powers, Sarah Kavazia, our youth ministers, held a youth event here at our church. And as you can see, we had a full house. And teenagers from all around the area, some from Winnebago County, Rock County, maybe even some from Dane County, filled up the church as Pastor Mike brought a message of hope to the teens of our area. So praise God for that, and that went really well. Thank you for praying. So, before we close our service, our ministry of the month is Safe Families. Let's go ahead and show that media.
2: As followers of Christ, we don't find faith through works, but along with our faith, we need to do works. We can't just call ourselves Christians and do nothing. We have to act. Safe Families is a way to show others around us in our community how we're not just a church that has gatherings every Sunday and is a closed-in community. Hi, Faith Community. I'm Kate Swanson, Church Engagement Coordinator for Safe Families for Children. Safe Families for Children is a volunteer-driven movement that keeps children safe and families together. We support families through all kinds of life changes while they navigate social isolation. Social isolation is a lack of social connections and having few people to interact with regularly. We work to surround families facing social isolation with family-like support, mentorship, play dates with kids, assistance with transportation, uh, support through any life changes, or even just encouraging texts and phone calls a few times a week. One of the greatest things about safe families is that the relationships are meant to last a lifetime our volunteers truly become family-like supports and an extended family for the families that we serve. The pandemic has only increased social isolation in our community, but families know that they can be supported and trust safe families. Recently, a family who had been supported by our Jefferson Dodge service area, relocated to the Rock County area and reached out to Safe Families for Children here in Janesville for some support after their move we were able to be able to connect them to volunteers and we are so blessed to be able to build lasting and trusting relationships with the families that we're serving in the community. If you wanna get involved to support children and families, join us as a family friend, a host family, or a resource friend. Those are some of our volunteer roles. Um, And currently we have an increasing need for family friends which are non-hosting, Um, So non-overnight stays in your home in the Rock County area and we don't have enough volunteer support to meet those needs. I'm Pastor Jesse and it really has been our privilege to partner with Safe Families. One of the
1: ways that we have for you to help is we've got some laundry baskets where you can donate specific items and uh, we're asking for things like baby diapers, baby wipes, baby formula. So if you wanna take one of those baskets Fill it up and bring it back. We'll make sure it gets to safe families.
2: You can also donate financially and become a true partner in keeping children safe and family supported. We can always use GAS gift cards to support family visits. We also have a really awesome partnership with Kids Closet and are always taking kids clothes of any size so that our families can shop at Kids Closet. Faith community, thank you very much for your support of Safe Families throughout our partnership. We really look forward to continuing our partnership and continuing to support families and children in the community this year.
1: Thank you, Kay. Thank you, Pastor Jesse. Kay, you got that on one take. Good job. Great job. It's not easy to do. That would would take Gary an hour, but... But then we'd have like 20 minutes of bloopers, which would be great. So uh, so that's a, the Saturday night crowd, I'm going to yell at them, even on Easter. We had a really good crowd Saturday night, but they weren't taking the baskets like they're supposed to. And we're behind the eight ball on this. this the ministry of the month, and the month's almost done. So let's get after those baskets today. Let's remember the gifts men's shelter as we leave as well. Would you stand as we, as we close out our service every week? Oh, and Pastor Jesse, let's get that, let's get that announcement on Facebook as well. We'll send out a care news about safe families. Pastor Sean Christensen did a study for us uh, when he was on our staff. A week to change the world, a holy week devotional, for from today all the way through Easter, we can see what Jesus is doing. And so this is on the back. There's not a ton of them left, but if you want to follow along and make this Easter a a holy time of devotion between you and the Lord, and you want to follow what Jesus did and said during Holy Week, grab one of the copies available on the back on your way out today. Thank you for your faithfulness and giving online as well. We posted our pictures of the church in Poland that is housing the Ukrainian refugees that are coming from war. It is a rotating thing. Families get assimilated. They get jobs and move out. Others are picked up and move in. It's a small church, and they can't afford it. We're a large church. And every week we are sending them a substantial amount of money to support those refugees in their time of need. So thank you for your faithfulness. We posted those pictures on our Facebook page. So let's pray for offering and close out our service. And if you need prayer, please come forward after service. We can pray with you. Father, this is our opportunity now to invest in the work of the kingdom, whether we're online or in person. I pray that we would be obedient to what you would have us give as we continue to reach our world for Christ. It it takes money. It costs. It's not free. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd bless gift and giver as we support this work, as we present our tithes and our offerings to you. Lord, we thank you for safe families, and we pray for their ministry as they reach out to the hurting, to the children, to the families. Many times they've gone through abuse and abandonment, and we have an opportunity here as a church to show them the love of Jesus in a tangible way. So thank you for Kate. Thank you for safe families. Thank you for Pastor Jesse and his commitment Uh, for this ministry and our church's involvement in it dismiss us now from this service determined to be good soil in which we will produce 30 60 100 times of the seed that has been sown in our hearts in jesus name amen thank you for being here god bless you
0: thanks for tuning in to the faith community church podcast We are glad that you joined us and hope that you were blessed by the message. If you would like to join us in the ministry of sharing the word of God, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. This helps us build the analytics of the channel, allowing us to better reach people in the name of Christ. Go be the light in your family, your community, and your church. God bless you.